Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Must Be the Place, the Building Science Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Henderson. Each episode is a deep conversation with a carefully chosen peer about not just houses, but place. Yeah, of course we talk about houses and retrofits, but we also want to change the industry for the better, forever. Energy poverty, community engagement, industry disruption, societal responsibility, and climate change. It's all here and so much more. We're back with This Must Be the Place, the Building Science Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Henderson. Today, I've got the pleasure of connecting with Jody Hutner, the driving force behind creating and supplying inclusive personal protective equipment, PPE, for women not only in the building industry, but also for active and outdoor STEM positions. She's the president and CEO of Helga Wear Inc., and her PPE standards include the use of women's body data, women's wear grading rules, and field testing on women for the design design and construction of safety wear. Prior to this, she worked as a mechanical engineer for an environmental consulting firm. Welcome to the podcast, Jody. So great to have you on. Oh, thank you, Sean. I'm so happy to be here. Cool. Well, we touched base, I think, for the first time in the spring. No, it was in July because I was driving my kid around while his car was not working, I think. I can't it be in such a whirlwind the, the past yeah. six months or so. So yeah, that sounds about right. It was through Carla Harder and Blue Heart yeah. Energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Carla is my, uh, our, our program coordinator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to start talking with like, what sparked your passion for safety gear? Ah. Very good question. Um, I guess what really sparked my passion for it is having to work while wearing it. And not just work <laughs> any old job, but uh, as a young female engineer on site, totally green, holding specs in front of me, uh, you know, looking out to the teams of tradespeople with decades of experience in practically doing whatever spec I was holding. Uh, it was really, really hard to feel like I fit in, like I belonged there directing a team, especially when my PPE, my personal protective gear, made me look like I was wearing my dad's get up for some sort of dress up. It, it, it was it was ridiculous. So that that it was like a flick on the nose many times a day that reminded me I don't belong here. And that's uh, totally unacceptable because as a mechanical engineer and I've, I've been a sewer my whole life, I know it's not difficult to make gear that fits. Right. So, yeah. So right. that 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 definitely sparked me off on my journey of trying to modify previous year's gear so that it fit me and let me take a quick leak in Mother Nature without going through a huge rigmarole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's key, right? Like going into those, like either, either you're outside and you're naked or half naked or you're dropping your drawers in a nasty 
porta potty. And it's like, then you got to put it back on. I'm like, no, yeah. no. Yeah. And, and uh, for me, lots of my work happened in remote country, bear country, cougar country. So by health and safety, we're not allowed to be out of line of sight of a colleague. And they're all men. So <laughs> you have to half undress just to go to the bathroom and you have to be in line of sight of someone. It's just suddenly less of a you know feasible op- uh, opportunity, mm-hmm. a viable opportunity. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that particular aspect of being on a remote site, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and these are really interesting things that come up when people talk about equity and being and, 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 you know, women can do this job or that job. And then, well, yes, absolutely we can. But when you don't have uh, gear, equipment, tools that actually work for you, you end up looking like somebody who can't do the work because you're impeded and in some cases actually endangered by, by the gear that is available to you. Yes. Yeah. And I'm so happy to be here talking about this with you because the more people listen to it, the more the lights go off in people's heads and they think, oh, I just haven't, hadn't actually thought about that before. Mm-hmm. But that's, it's true. And, and, you know, what people say, why aren't more women complaining that, that they don't have proper fitting gear? And like, there's, that's a huge can of worms to open up. But there, let me just say, there are many reasons why women just make do, especially. <laughs> non-traditional fields where they're trying doubly hard just to keep their same place as you know Joe Joe Schmo male employee would so mm-hmm. yeah but I think there's really something you know that a few years ago I read an article on safety gear and um, who it was made for and who the models are and um, and it was associated with the uh, Women in Trades Conference. So that was 2018 or so. And I just internally went on an insane rant about it. It's like, the, so, so it doesn't, it's what we're working with is something that's is been given to the world as we must do this, must use these, 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 this gear, the safety equipment, whether it's overalls or harnesses or helmets, goggles, gloves even. And the only body type it's fitted for is an able-bodied, six-foot-tall male body. Caucasian male body. And and then I was going to say, and to top of that off, it's a white face. <laughs> so it's a very different structure than, so I kind of, that was like when I went, oh my God, this is this is one huge obstacle for a whole raft. Not, I mean, if you're not in that white, able-bodied male bracket, you know, well, good luck to you. So now you can just take it from there because I know you have a ton more background and information and, and things to say about that. I just have a rant. Oh, that's fine. Like, I have this rant many times a day, sometimes out loud, but... Yeah, it's actually, it's indicative of the majority of the workers in the field to date, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, at, from a bottom dollar standpoint, it makes sense to please the 95th percentile if you're looking at that bell curve, but it leaves everybody outside of that 95th percentile completely out of the conversation when it comes to fit. And that doesn't really matter so much in fast fashion and what have you, but when, it, when we're talking safety gear, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. 
And in industries where, you know, we, we're crying for diversity and inclusion, we see this huge labor shortage coming down the pipeline. We know we need to make our industries more appealing to the hugest group would just be women. We need to mm-hmm. up our representation of women. Although I'd have to say kudos to the energy efficiency sector. You guys have way more women. I'm re- I read like between 22-25%. That is so heartwarming to me. <laughs> but we're not, we're not seeing that in a lot of the trades. You're sitting at more like a 4 to a 6%. Yeah. Yeah. And that has to change. And you know, so one one of the biggest things we can do to change that is right from design and manufacture start designing for some of the other experiences that might be happening on site. The biggest group that we have statistically are women. We can look at that bell curve and get a pretty accurate take on what the fit should be. Mm-hmm. And that does still leave lots of other body types uh, out of the conversation, but at least we're now capturing more. We can't go to a custom one-off fit for every single employee. That's just absolutely crazy. It's never going to happen. Right. But we have to at least acknowledge that there's one other very low-hanging fruit we can hit pretty easily. Right, right, yeah. So I want to talk about Helgaware because you've been, uh, yeah, take us through the the journey. I know it's been rough and tough and and hard on you, um, but um, you're here and it's going. Yeah, rough, tough, <laughs> hard, yes, but also so much joy, so much mm-hmm. passion. And like I just this past Friday, I had my favorite part of the job is going on site and doing fittings for women on site who have never gotten to work in something that fits. Seeing them strip off their their old crazy coveralls and put on a pair that actually fit and then taking them through a mobility test, that just brings me so much joy. And yeah, I'll tell I'll take you through my story. I'll do mm-hmm. it really, really quickly because there's a lot that I could say. Um, but I basically started off as a young engineer in the field. I've always struggled with my safety gear and it really ticked me off because, as I said, I'm a sewer and I know it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, when I finally made myself a pair of bib overalls that I could quickly take a leak in, uh, I figure it saved me about an hour a day. But on top of that, um, it saved the impact that was coming to me in terms of health and like mental health, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so physical health, I'll just tell you really quickly. I, my my sleep was being impacted. My urinary tract was being impacted. From I, not- say, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, you probably have some. Heavy yeah. UTI stuff. <laughs> yeah, UTIs and something called polyural nocturia, which is very common in elderly women, but it's creeping lower and lower in age. And it's where you wake up many times in the night to go to the bathroom. But what is a, a cause of that is if you hold your pee so much during the day, when you co- try to go to sleep at night, your poor little body is sending signals saying, I got to pee, I got to pee. And so you're getting up five and six times a night, even without a UTI. And huh. think you have to go, but nothing happens. So, yeah. And wow. also um, uh, my immune system. So I, I was getting sick more often than my male colleagues. I had resurgencies of allergies I hadn't had since I was a kid. And I would go into my GP and my GP would, you know, give me antihistamines, give me sleeping meds to help me sleep the night, give me antibiotics to treat UTIs. But no, at no point did he ever say, hey, let's have a conversation about your hydration and toileting behaviors. Let's talk a little bit about what your daily habits are like at work. Mm -hmm. And that would have saved me an awful lot. So so we're not even connecting those dots. We do it for women in nursing and women in the military as well studied. 
But women in trades, women in heavily active STEM positions, we're not having those valuable conversations that could be really helping us take mean, get meaningful analytics and data right. to tell the story about how our work gear, for example, is affecting or impacting us on many levels that people don't even think about. <laughs> so so that's, that's what made me start developing stuff for myself. I saw a hole in the market. I thought... I'm going to leave engineering. I'm going to try and bring this product to market because other women need, I know this might not be the best op- um, option, but it's at least another option for women to try. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward years later in 2019, I got the most amazing opportunity to develop uh, flame retardant coveralls for the women of C-SPAN. So the women, the welders, the electricians, the laborers working in our ports, uh, building ships, repairing the BC ferries, all that wonderful stuff. And uh, what really struck me from my work with them was they complained about the shoulder spans not fitting, the crotch heights hanging so low, they were tripping mm-hmm. hazards. They didn't allow them to do a three-point climb, which means keeping three points of contact with the ladder. You can't do that if every other rung, you've got to reach down and pull up the crotch height of your safety coveralls so that you can bend your knee to make it to the next rung. Uh, and shoulder span that affects um, electricians and welders who spend more than 75% of their day doing overhead work. In order for them to reach overhead with coveralls where the shoulder span is too wide, they'd have to yank up their arms. You can't, right. you can't see what I'm doing because this is a podcast, but literally <laughs> have to yank the seam of, that sits painfully on your delt up towards your neck so that you can fully reach your arms overhead. And you can't do that if you're holding tools. So right, I think awkward any... Any woman who has worn a spaghetti strap T-shirt or tank top or a bra totally gets what you're saying. You know, mm. these these little straps, they fall down and then you're you're kind of awkward and goofy. It's just a bigger, heavier thing that puts your life in danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. And yet we're making do. Women modify their gear like crazy just to be able to make it through the day. And like I had the fitting I went to this past Friday, a woman told the story where in order for her not to trip over the hems of her coverall, she uses the the shoelaces from her steel-toed boots and she'll literally tie the laces around the bottom part of her coveralls. But she forgot to do it one day. And about half an hour into her shift, she was carrying a bunch of stuff. She almost tripped and I had like that two two-second heart attack. She recovered from it. And I and she said, "Oh, I, I I forgot I hadn't tied my laces around the bottom of my coveralls." And I said to her, "Did you report that as a near miss? Because that's a near miss." And she's like, "No, we never. I was never report anything to do with my PPE. I just don't." And the other women in the room were like, "Actually, we don't. We we just are. We're making do. We've gotten so used to making do. We'll do any modification we have to. We'll use duct tape. We'll do whatever we have to. We're not gonna." categorize it as a near miss and that is a huge that's a huge loss anyone listening Mm -hmm. that's a amazing first step for boots on the ground start reporting any near miss related to ppe they're happening all over the place we have to start reporting them Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, anyway um, this this kind of ties into a little bit of an aha moment we might have been saving this for later but i'm just going to break it out okay yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, when I was developing the coveralls for the women of C-SPAN, I had an initial meeting with this big group of them. There was over 30 of them. And they were telling me what the problems with their coveralls were. You know, these shoulder spans that are way too wide, crotch hangs halfway down to the knee, talking about all the other issues they were facing. I'm scrawling it down like mad. 
And then I was asked, could you design something for them that works for them? If you can, we'll buy it from you. So then my engineering brain's like firing off. I (laughs) way over-engineered these crazy coveralls with internal suspender straps that you could raise or lower the crotch height with an internal adjuster for the shoulder seam so that you could adjust it by two to four inches. Like I really over-engineered these crazy safety coveralls and I put them out in the field for testing. Oh, but as an aside, since I'm a sewer, I graded each size using the women's wear grading rules because they're women mm-hmm. and sent them out into the field. Not one field tester needed to use any of my crazy adjustment features because lo and behold, when you simply grade the outfit properly from size to size, the crotch sits exactly where it should. The shoulder mm-hmm. span sits exactly how it should. What a concept. That wasn't a hot moment for me because that is really not, not rocket science. It's like, that is, that, that was simultaneously an amazing moment and a devastating moment because I thought we <laughs> all of them were past this. Yeah. I thought, I thought we were so far past. And that made me turn to our health and safety regulations to say like, what, how is this not being captured and recognized as a serious problem in health and safety? And, you know, we've got, um, health and safety regulations that say things like PPE can't in and of itself cause an additional hazard to the wearer, which it is. Ill-fitting mm-hmm. PPE absolutely is. And notes to the manufacturers, to people like me, garments must be constructed so that they remain in place on the user for the duration of the of the job. And yeah, so if if you're making a woman wear a garment that's been graded for men, it can't. In most mm-hmm. most of most of the cases, it won't sit in place where it's intended to for the duration of the job. So it can't protect them like it's designed to. PPE that doesn't fit can't protect. So like there's, there are, you know, written regulations. There are things that are supposed to be catching this problem. But, but they're not reported. And they're not reported because people don't want to bring attention to the fact that they're different on this site. Oh, it's just a complete circle. It's over and over and over again. Yes, yeah, so that the, those those things got got my brain spinning. Like there has to be some way we can change that wording to make it capture women better. Mm-hmm. And um, I will I'll give you a very bare bones story of how this played out. I was searching for someone to help me try and figure out what what kind of wording would look. What could we change out of our current regulations to try and capture women a bit better? I, I took it to the BC Center for Women in the Trades. They said, yes, this is definitely a problem. This language is a problem, but we we don't know what the language would be. Why don't you come up with a solution to what you think the language could be? Maybe we can move forward once we have an idea of what, what should be said. But who am I? I feel like I'm Joe Schmo, nobody. The learning curve is like a brick wall for this in what I'm doing. <laughs> so then I, I managed to network my way to the CSA group. So the Canadian Standards Association group, just at that time, they happened to be redeveloping my safety standard. I call it my safety standard. It's CSA Z96, high-vis safety apparel, which is exactly what my safety coveralls are. So I'm like, yes, I finally get a say. I would love to be on the committee to, you know, redevelop this language. This is exactly where I need to be. Shortly after they had invited me onto their committee, I got an email saying, um, the we've discussed it on the back end. And Fit won't be a part of the scope for this revision, but maybe in two years when we when we think about revising it again, yeah, maybe in two years we'll think about entertaining the notion of fit. And so I oh backed. Oh my god! Out. I can't yeah. keep it. I, I can't even. I know. 
I don't know. It gets, it gets better. This gets better. So I had my whole internal temper tantrum and freak out. I backed out gracefully of the committee. But then a week before their first committee meeting, they've now established all of their committee members. They reached out to me and said, we, we know that you're, you can only come as a guest, but would you attend for the first little bit of our meeting and present to the group why you think FIT should be on scope for this round of revision? I'm like, all right, well, it's not quite what I was hoping for, but it's better than nothing. And yes, I will talk to the group. So I came and talked to the group. A seven-minute presentation turned into an over 40-minute debate on what has been done to date. Um, there was a lot, a lot of pushing back on my part, where the whole language being we offer lots of sizes. It's a, it's a matter of sizing. And me saying, no, it isn't. It's bigger than sizing. It doesn't matter how many sizes are on offer. If it's a male graded, male designed uh, item. We have, yeah, we have women's wear, we have men's wear, we have children's wear. Yes. (laughs) One size does not fit all. Exactly. Would you recommend getting a a quadruple XS and trying to, of a men's gear, trying to give it to a a young boy? No. (laughs) Anyway, um, the, the, the debate went well, I think. I feel like I was heard by them and I heard everything that they had done to date. And I think we reached each other afterwards. They precipitated two things. I was then connected with a group of students that are doing research on Canadian anthropometric data, men's data, men's body data, women's body data in Canada today. Because we've been basing our body data off of outdated models from other countries. So that's inappropriate. Oh, as well. even better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the whole, the whole thing needs a bit of a, a, a revamp, especially where safety gear is concerned. That should be our top priority. And then the second thing that precipitated, uh, they formed, the CSA group formed um, a research panel looking into the issue of women and fit. And they asked me to be a part of that. So there, finally, Excellent. I found my place. Yeah, I found my place. And um, uh, as as that the mandate for that group, we were to advise on um a survey, cross Canada survey for tradeswomen. It actually went out to the high two thousands. I want to say twenty eight hundred around there. Women across Canada ended up responding to that survey, which is an amazing sample size. Uh, and and a, a literary view. Sorry, a literary view was conducted. And I I can give you a couple of the stats. That report was supposed to come out in the summer, and now they've kicked the date back to October. So I can tell you, uh, out of my memory, let's see, I feel it was 88% of women surveyed said that they felt women were being injured by their PPE on site. So whether or not it's true, the general perception is that women are being hurt by PPE on site. 19% said that they had considered leaving their trade because of ill-fitting PPE. And only 6% said they thought they may have one or two items that had, of PPE that had actually been designed for women. Wow. That's huge. Wow. That's huge. <laughs> anyway, so these are, all, these are all wonderful things that are happening in the background. Uh, and while this work with the CSA group was happening, as, a, as me trying to reach out to my network to drum up re- respondents for the survey, I made connections with some amazing unions here in Vancouver, mm-hmm. the International Longshore and Warehouse Union and the International Union of Operating Engineers, who really stepped up. They had some women on the inside who stepped up to kind of form a bit of a dream team with me. I told them all the work I'd done so far. I showed them the problematic language where I think it should be adjusted just slightly to... Um, 
incorporate women. And I can tell you what that was. Oh, no. Would you like to hear that? Yes, I would. Yeah. Okay. I would. okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, CSA Z96 has a part that talks to the manufacturers and says that um, PPE must be designed and constructed to stay in place on the wearer for the duration of the work that's being done. Right. And as a note underneath, there's a star and a note. The note said, appropriate means to do so include providing a range of sizes. So that's where the problem is to me, because that's not right. an adequate means to make sure the gear stays in place. We know this from my field testing. We know this from experience. So I adjusted that note to say, adequate means to do so means providing uh, an adequate range of sizes in both the known grading standards for men and for women. So, and then cool. so, but here, this is where, as, and, then, and then it gets squishy. Like, yeah, the squishy. Yeah, then it gets difficult because this is now like a bit of a shotgun approach because after that, I looked into other areas of PPE and, for example, steel-toed boots. The steel-toed boots are made after what's called a foot last, a last mm -hmm. mold that governs how the foot progresses from the smallest iteration to the largest. And we use the male foot last to build our steel-toe boots. We use the male foot last to determine how we test loads falling onto those steel-toe boots. And the, the big part, the big problem with that is that the flexion point is different for women and for men. And that's how come me wearing steel-toe boots for 15 hours in a job where I'm constantly transitioning, bending down, standing up, that mid part of my foot right underneath the ball of my foot would ache so badly. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the flexion point. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense about why my feet have been hurting for years. Boots? Yeah. <laughs> so, so here I'm thinking this is a shotgun approach, Jody. We are never going to make meaningful change if we have to nitpick into each of these and find, you know, because we, we're probably going to miss some. We're probably mm -hmm. going to miss mm -hmm. some. So it, we need to develop an inclusive standard. So just imagine this with me. Imagine we're living in an amazing world right now and we have CSA. U83 dash whatever inclusive safety standard. If you have that green triangle, it means that it, these shoes have been designed and constructed using women's body data, the known standards for grading for women and in, in a perfect world, field testing on women. <laughs> Currently, it's just men's body data, men's grading <laughs> rules, testing on men. So if there were an overarching policy that said your gear actually has to state it meets this, then right. it would it would completely remove that no matter what type of PPE it is, and um, and it would it also seems, yeah it, yeah it just seems from my perspective that that's a a, a complete no brainer. It's like if you if you're going to call it protective gear and it's personal, it's got to protect the people. Yeah, and the persons are not the same. Yeah. One size fits all. Okay, so I'm uh, <laughs> as somebody who's spent the first, like my first, uh, uh, my first dig, dig at an uh, entrepreneurship was actually in, in uh, sewing and designing, and so I totally get what you're saying about fit and um, <clears throat> and 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 then there's also function. You know, how do you actually take a pee? If you use the term modestly <laughs> in the wild. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot. I mean, and I, I, you know, the and then you, also, you know, the crazy part about that is how you ha we have standards for sizing, but women's size standards seem to be all over the map. 
regard, you know, depending on who's manufacturing and where they're being manufactured. So mm-hmm. I know that's a little outside that because it's not a safety standard, but it's still another issue. To to what you're to the exact point you just made, as it stands, we have all sorts of manufacturers saying that they have women's sizes of mm-hmm. coveralls, but all they've done is downlabeled the men's gear. Right. So what you're right. saying, it seems like women's sizes are all over the place. You know, where it makes sense monetarily, those might not be women's sizes. They may very well just be downlabeled men's. Right. And without the policy that says you cannot do that, of course manufacturers are going to do that. It saves them a lot of money. Of course. Sure. Body data. So you're working with this this group of folks who are students. I'm just going back in my brain. It's a little sifty. Um, so you're working with a group of students to actually look at body data. And is that just for women? I can't remember if you said that or not. Well, it's specifically what the students I'm working with are are interested in. It is, yes, the body data for women and as a subset, tradeswomen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. That's great. That's and great. That, how, how long is that study going to take or oh, that work? It's, that's a very good question. You know, these things don't move very quickly. I would hope that within the next year, we're going to see some meaningful progress. Oh, because I didn't, I didn't even get to the end of that story with you. I'll, I'm going to zip right back to the, to the actual story because we're almost caught okay. up to where we are today. So, <laughs> so now imagine we've got these heavy hitters from the union that are stepping up to bat for demanding for inclusive PPE standards. And we together, we created a lobby brief and we sent it to out to our minister of labor and requested a presentation. We were granted that, gave a stellar presentation. At the end of it, there was some pushback, and uh, the the uh, Minister of Labor's office said, well, we have policy that already does protect. It's an enforcement issue. It's definitely not a policy issue. We're already covered with the words that we do have, to which the union, wonderful union reps, were able to say, well, you do understand that that puts the onus of reporting right back onto the shoulders of the women working, the boots on the ground. And that's the, that's what we have right now. And it's not working. They're not reporting. So we need to go above that with policy mm-hmm. that will protect them appropriately. It's also, it's, women don't have any say whether or not manufacturers are just down labeling and saying we have women's sizes. They got no say in that. They think they're right. doing the thing. Um, so then the Minister of Labor's office actually agreed and said, okay, well, you know, you need to take this to uh, WorkSafe BC. You need to take it to our provincial WCB and present to the president, which we did. Within two weeks, we were in front of him. And uh, at the end of the presentation, they're, they're, they had a number of staff and they said, we, we read your lobby brief coming into this. We completely agree with what you're saying. And we have a little bit, a little bit of context to give to you that at some point in the 90s, uh, in our journey to equity, we had to strip gender language from policy we had to take the he's out. We had to make it as neutral as possible. So there was a big effort to strip gender language from policy. Now, fast forward 20, 25 years, and we're noticing that that left these huge gaps mm-hmm. that have gotten us to exactly where we are, where there are certain aspects, statistical aspects of genders that are, have fallen through the cracks that we really need to bring back. So 
so what what was what was said at at that meeting was this is going to take a while. This will take a few years to figure out how with an inclusive gender lens to bring back language into policy that fully protects. But they said we need immediate stop term gap language right now, interim stopgap language now. So over the past couple of months, we've gone back and forth, my dream team and some, so the insiders on WCB, and we've kicked back and forth some draft language to put in policy. It's not really policy though, it's just a guideline. So guidelines help employers uh, understand how to implement regulation. So right. there are a, a bit of guidelines now that are going to come out soon, hopefully, to kind of show the real difference in, you know, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about PPE that doesn't fit. So to help employers take a better gender lens on, on this situation. So that's one. And that hopefully that moves to pressure on manufacturers to support actually having properly graded sizes for women as well. Hope, hopefully, like I would like to see yeah. it trickle out into the enforcement community. So imagine if occupational health and safety teams, when they go onto a site, don't use just a binary pass or fail. Are you wearing your PPE or aren't you? It would be really mm-hmm. good for them to add one extra question. Are you wearing PPE that fits? Mm-hmm. Especially where the genders are concerned, knowing what we know, right? So I feel like that would be there that would be a first low bar an easy step from the enforcement community so i feel like some pressure needs to be put onto the occupational health and safety profession to stop with the binary aspect to reporting on ppe it's not a pass mm-hmm. or fail anymore yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. amazing amount of work that you've been doing to push policy to help protect women in the field and I can't imagine that this is giving you an awful lot of time to build your company so you can support yourself. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And I'm working on that. My my investor has a few things to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a long term, you know, like as, as a business person, I can say, I understand, I can completely understand this is actually, you know, you're, you've identified the missing piece of the market. So you've, but now you have to change you have to make the um, the regulations aware that this is a a key piece that needs to be changed. Uh, yeah. But um, how's your business going? Well, you know, so here's the weird part. Yes, the advocacy side doesn't bring in revenue yet. I want to say mm-hmm. yet because mm-hmm. with the more exposure I get, just talking about this work, not even selling on my safety coveralls. Just talking about this work gives me exposure. And even in the past four months, just because of the story, I've picked up a few huge new clients. And so I feel like the trend is in the right direction if I just keep following my passion where where that goes. And that is, this has to change. It doesn't just affect PPE. Like I, I realized that fairly early on, like our tools were not built for our grip for one. Mm Tools were not built for the leverage of a woman to be able to use. Otherwise, we'd have longer handles. You know, machinery, operating machinery, typically women have to sit on a telephone book so that they can reach the pedals, reach the hand controls, and see through the mirror. So obviously, those have been designed using that same 
95th percentile bell curve. So we're, we're forcing women into these industries that have not been designed for them at all. It's not mm-hmm. just PPE. That is, that is where I'm after first because that's health and safety, immediate visceral it's in your face. Right. That, that's the Trojan horse that I feel will bring in real significant design-based change for women in these non-traditional industries. Interesting. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, the exposure part is always, it's one of those things like, you know, never, you know, you can't, you can't ask a musician to, uh, you know, play for free because of exposure. <laughs> you know, give them exposure. Oh, you know, there's truth in that. But then at some point you're like, no, actually I'm the expert on this so you can paint me. Well, let me tell you, I actually do have paid speaking gigs coming up Excellent. To, to end off 2022. I'm actually going to be speaking at the BCCSA conference here in Vancouver in October, which is huge. And I'm trying to line up a speaker circuit gig for 2023 just to keep telling this story. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Good. And I'm not the best at writing and posting on social media. So I feel like there's a lot of this story that's going untold that I, I have to find the way that works for me in the time that I have also mm-hmm. as solopreneur CEO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Wearing all you the know, hat. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not doing all the sewing. Oh, no, no. We oh, have an amazing manufacturer in Morden, Manitoba. Custom, oh, cool. uh, Diesel Custom Sewing. Yeah. She's just fantastic. Right yeah. On. I'm very, very fortunate, fortunate with that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. Right on. So supporting more, more women. In Canada. Yeah. yeah, in Canada. Excellent. 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 Um, and how did you deal with the uh, the pandemic? Like, what was that like for you? I know not construction didn't shut down as much. We actually did have some problems for women in trades, women in construction. And um, I, so I'm going to tell you what I saw. Now, this is not mm-hmm. based by studies, but from what I saw, there were companies at the beginning of the pandemic that were scheduled for fittings with me. That means already to the point of going to go into your workplace and size up, get the number of women that are going to be wearing and which sizes, right? And then the world shut down for two weeks and crickets. It was about a bit over a year before I was able to get those balls rolling again. Wow. And yeah. And then it, during that time, I, I did meet with women in trades groups. And what I was hearing from them is after that two weeks of initial crazy world, entire world shutting down, people were hired back slowly. And there were a few major problems when the hiring back happened. Number one, in heavily unionized environments, hiring back happens based off of seniority. Right. And the women are unfortunately found in the lower seniority positions. The majority of the women are. Uh, so it took longer for them to be hired back. And then because of social distancing, yet project deadlines holding fast, they had to open up more shifts. So now instead of the just the seven to three or whatever it was, they've got two shifts during the day, a morning, a kind of afternoon, and then one quite into the evening. Uh, so shelf that idea for a second. And now think, right. yep. since trades pays so much more than the median wage, you find lots of women supporting entire households. It could be the single earner supporting. So you've got women with children as a solo in the house trying to get back to work and arrange childcare for an even more wonky schedule now and and having to wait longer to even be given the offer to come back. So there were... And then then challenged with school shutdowns. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's been a bit of a rocky road and all talk toward 
um, diversity and inclusion efforts. Everything seemed to be put on pause for a bit until mm-hmm. COVID safety protocols could kind of catch up with bringing the whole workforce back and what does that new normal look like? Uh, but now it does seem like things are picking up quite a bit since then. So that's really good. 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 But what, right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine um, thing. I mean, just, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't even think, I don't think we're, we can call it post-pandemic world yet, but um, post-vaccine, I don't know. <laughs> Slightly, maybe more safer, not really, because. (laughs) (laughs) But you, you mentioned earlier, um, you talked about a massive labor shortage. Yeah. And, you know, uh, just say a few more words about that, because it's super important. Yeah. So after... Post-COVID, it has been really hard across industries for people to find labor. So just that, as its own thing, that's something that we're struggling with. But now on top of that, as we have so many people retiring from trades and not enough people entering trades to kind of make mm-hmm. up the balance, we're we new prior to COVID. We've known this. Yeah, we've known this for years, a while at least. Yeah. yeah, so for a while, we've been doing things like pummeling money into trades training incentives to get women interested in trades that like that always it i'm excited by that but also ticked off it's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna use this as an example um i had done a fitting at a place where they didn't have many female employees but they had a few and they got that few by doing it this huge hiring push but they didn't really look at their environment and where the women would be working before they did the hiring push it wasn't until after they had a handful of women working on site that they realized they had nowhere for them to go to the washroom, right? Mm-hmm. So that same company is one of the wonderful companies that has since partnered with Helgaware. And they said, before we do our next major hiring push, let's bring in a bunch of women's PPE because we're also noticing we don't have anything that fits them. So to be proactive, we need to first... Incent, not incentivize. We need to invest in the women already working here and truly look through a gender lens at what their experience is and at least do the bare minimum to make sure that that experience is good and safe. And then we'll push to get women in. So, and I don't know how I got off on that tirade. Uh, yeah, basically, oh yeah, labor shortage, incentivizing women into trades. But we have that missing piece where we're not supporting them enough when they're actually working in the trades. So we see a, a bigger rate of women leaving after year two, year three, with the overwhelming sentiment of, I just can't do it. I don't belong here. or just And that is like what I'd say, a flick on the nose after flick on the nose many times a day, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. subtle reminders that I, I can't make it here. This isn't for me. And those that that's because right from design, it is not their experience has not been accounted for. Right. Right. And anyway, so so let me let me put this last piece in. I feel like if we are to truly get women and keep women in these non-traditional labor forces, we need to do the bare minimum. And that from a trades perspective, an act of STEM is at least providing them with appropriate safety gear. Imagine going to a career fair where your company is trying to attract top female talent. Imagine being the only table able to say, 
we offer women's PPE. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That tells you a lot about a company. And a lot of the women applying for jobs might not even be aware that that was an option and that most companies won't even give you that. So now that I've said my piece. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. I think it's really important because there's, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine. Can you imagine roles that men would go into that? Maybe. I don't know, bra fitting <laughs> where they wouldn't actually, you know, <laughs> um, what about, what about let's picture olden days nursing. Remember when nurses had to wear those cute little uniforms with the tall hat and the skirt? <laughs> Remember that? No, right. imagine it had kept within those confines as men started to want to become nurses more. Forcing them to wear the outfit. Forcing not, them to wear the dress. Not providing yeah. anything else and, you know, saying it's not safe. It's not up to our safety standards for you to provide your own. So you have to make do. And this is the one that we use. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's a better one than profiting. <laughs> I want to move slightly off topic. Sure. To, to end our session. Um, but uh, my producer says, ask Judy about music. <laughs> I play funk, synth, classic piano, ukulele, bass, ukulele, and I sing. There's no music I can't get behind, no instrument I won't try to play. And I believe that even if you only know two chords, we should probably jam together this weekend if you're not busy. <laughs> I want to know more about this because this sounds yeah. really, this is fun. <laughs> oh, oh, it is. Yeah. So I've been into music since I was really little, like four, four or five classical pianist and uh, mostly by ear after classical by ear player. And like my father, I pick up almost any instrument and I can figure stuff out. Mm -hmm. And and I have an insatiable desire to play with people and and. and bothers me so much that people say, you know, I'm not, I do play, but I'm not good enough to play with you. It's not true. If you know two chords, I probably know umpteen songs that we could play together. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's something about playing music with other people that is it's just so joyous and yeah. fulfilling. Yeah. So next time I'm, I'm in BC or next time you are, or when you are in Nova Scotia, we need to get together and we should have a giant jam session. Yeah. I, I have, well, I have a very beautiful, um, Dobro, Ooh. that I play like shit. Um, <laughs> Yay! <but> you play. <laughs> yeah, like play. play music is what yeah. I'm hearing. <laughs> um, but more than that, I adore singing. I love singing. Oh, and wonderful! So, yeah, yeah. Then we'll have a an epic sing along. I have an iPad with hundreds of sing along songs with the chords and everything and the lyrics, and I'm always adding to it. So I'm sure we could find a few dozen that we both know. Excellent. Okay. And we'll invite some other women and Absolutely. we'll do it. Cool. So excellent. And what's next for Health Aware? What are you doing? Oh, well, I'm actually in development of a few new products right now. So I'm trying to satisfy longshore workers. I'm rolling out a royal blue safety coverall. And I'm super excited about that. Uh, and then, like I mentioned before, getting into the speaker circuit for 2023 just trying to get on as many stages as possible cool. uh, to make some serious headway here in BC. And oh, and I never mentioned before, but after the word got around to the movements, uh, the inclusive safety standards movement that we're doing here in BC, I was contacted by someone in Nova Scotia, actually, to talk about possibly rolling out the same interim stopgap language out there once it's finalized here. And then also contacts of mine in Ontario are interested in talking about doing Very exciting. 
Yeah, so that, that's another huge issue is that we just don't seem to have any continuity province mm-hmm. to province. Mm-hmm. And this is, like you said, it's like a no-brainer. This should be standard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it, for all the work on and and good intentions of getting women into the trades, I mean, my big thing is that we have to have women in the trades, but we also have to have women bosses who are changing the culture of the trades. That's my soapbox. Um, but we also have to have women be safe on site and their needs met. And yeah, I think there's, this is, <laughs> this is such a, an important piece, just like it's, it's so important and it's so friggin' basic. Yeah. It's like, can you have a pair of pants that fit? Yeah, please. How about a pair of boots? How about, How about a pair of gloves? Yeah, tested to a standard that makes sense for my body. Yeah. <laughs> Consider yeah. me, yeah. please. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you, based on what you just said, Sean, you might be interested in a very informal happy hour talk I give once a month on Fridays, typically the last Friday of the month, for Women in Occupational Health and Safety Society. I call it Boots to Boardroom. And All right. Our goal is from boots on the ground to butts in the boardroom. We are trying to think of as many ways as possible to increase women's representation all along the way, because just like you said, we need the women to make it up into the decision-making roles. And even better than that, women who've spent time working as boots on the ground, Mm -hmm. because they know and they will advocate for meaningful change. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So Blue House Energy turns 10 this year. And we are going to be offering a whole bunch of um, swag. Basically, we're going to be doing some random draws on a monthly basis uh, for things like uh, that are used in our in in my world, which is Lowy detectors and some uh, infrared cameras and <clears throat> uh, radon detectors. There's about seven or eight things. But one of the things we're going to do is we're going to get a bunch of gift certificates from Helgaware and offer Ooh. them to the women who are taking our courses. Um, as a, they'll be in a monthly draw, so we'll we'll, we'll get a, a bunch of those from you, and we'll put that out for the uh, over the duration of our ten year anniversary celebrations. Oh, well, that's wonderful! Yeah, let's get and proper a, fitting coveralls into the workforce so people can see what they look like <laughs> and they can show off. Yeah. <laughs> Not built to flatter your curves, but built to fit. That's all fine, you know. Yeah. Like that's all fine. If it, we can, we can. If we can dance in them, <laughs> yeah, we can. That's all good. <laughs> we can work in them. Excellent. Um, I have two. I do have two last questions for you. Okay. And kind of, we kind of answered them a bit, but I ask everybody at the end of the of the of our as I'm winding down to the uh, the end of the episode. What's your all time? favorite, nerdy, delightful thing about building science, but in your case, how about PPE? Uh, yeah, I guess building for women's anatomy. It's just <laughs> it, the the women of today are ready to just have it like the guys. And I want I want them to be empowered with the same gear the guys have, but in a parallel way designed for their anatomy. And then just to see what what can they do? So my my nerding out is what are the applications that I can try and and make Helga coveralls uh, fit to help women, for example, go to the bathroom easier. Mm-hmm. An example of that would be uh, 
women in aviation. So in case you've never thought about it, female pilots, there's quite often emergencies that keep them up in the air longer than they intended. Men, they can just pee into a bottle, but women right. can't. So women are doing crazy things. Female pilots are doing some pretty horrid things just to, <laughs> you know, solve that problem. So for me, like, how can I get female pilots peeing in yeah. their planes while flying without okay. skipping? So, so there's, <laughs> some, there's some kayaking gear that they might be interested in. <laughs> oh, quite possibly. Yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, kayaks means that you, you're okay with being wet. So I'm not quite sure, mm. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works. Um, cause I've never, I don't do enough kayaking to be, to warrant any serious gear, <laughs> but, but I do know it's there. Um, because I do have some really like hardcore, um, kayaking friends. Um, okay. So second question. Yes. What's the PPP, PPP? <laughs> What's the PPE entrepreneurial? BS or myth or stereotype that makes you crazy. That women are just a smaller size of man. (laughs) (laughs) Hear it all the time. (laughs) It's just assume. (laughs) Yeah. I would I was I was gonna say that's probably a stupid question to ask you because I think we've spent a lot of time talking about what drives you crazy. (laughs) Yeah, this is good to hear a glorious rant. Just a few words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. I'm glad. But it's, this message has to go out. This has to be heard. It has to be. And you're doing innovative and disruptive things. And that's what this chunk of the uh, of this season is about. So I'm so happy you were here. And that's about it. So we should sign off now. And thank you so much for coming on. This has been a great conversation. Oh, excellent. It's been my pleasure. (laughs) All right. That's it for our episode today. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. This episode was produced by Blue House Energy, Podcast Atlantic, and Tanya Media. Subscribe and don't miss an episode. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.